Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 15, and I'm very um, happy to be talking to Carl Beckstrand today, who is a children's book author. This is the last episode of a very long season, and I've been really happy with everybody that I've talked to um, in the past several weeks. Um, In the next weeks, in Season 3, I'm going to be having some very exciting people I'll be talking to and I can't wait to have you see the wonderful guests I'm having on the show. So please stay tuned for previews and promos for some of the um, conversations we'll be having with authors throughout the next several weeks. Carl Beckstrand is here with us today, and he's a best-selling and award-winning author and illustrator of 25 multicultural multilingual books in more than 60 book ebook titles. His Western survival thriller To Swallow the Earth won a 2016 International Book Award, and his multicultural kids' books have been lauded by Publishers Weekly, Kirkus, The Horn Book, and School Library Journal. Carl Beckstrand was raised locally here in Silicon Valley, and he's lived abroad and worked with people from all continents except Antarctica. His work reflects cultural diversity, not only in protagonists, but in collaborators. His illustrators hail from Latin America, Europe, and Asia. Beckstrand has a BA in journalism from BOIU and an MA in international relations from American Public University, a broadcasting film certificate from Film A Academy, and he teaches media at a state college and since 2004 has run Premio Publishing. Beckstrand has presented in Taiwan's Global Leadership for Youth, City and State Governments, Festivals, and Schools. His YA stories, ebook mysteries, nonfiction, Spanish bilingual, wordless career, and STEM books feature ethnically diverse characters unusually and with a twist. His work has appeared in Amazon, Apple iBooks, Baker & Taylor, Barnes & Noble, Costco, Desert Book, Ballet Ingram, Paper Crafts Magazine, Target.com, and the U.S. Congressional Record, Walmart, Facebook, Twitter, and PremioBooks.com. So please look for them there. I think you're going to enjoy this interview. I had a really fun time getting to talk to him. So until then, take it away. Welcome to the Well Seasoned Librarian podcast. Today, I'm interviewing author Carl Beckstrand. Carl, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Doug. I really appreciate you being oh, I'm sorry, here. I should have said Dean. That's Actually, your name. You know, it's funny when you said that it was kind of normal because my brother's name is Doug. My mother always got us all confused and would call us. I could I could be any one of my brothers at any given time. So I answer to Chris. That's my brother's name. So <laughs> yeah, kind of t- normal sibling thing. Sorry. Um, yeah, so welcome to the show. And I just you have a you you're very uh well-published author, I just want to ask you, how did you get started in publishing and how did you begin writing? It was kind of an accident. I didn't even like to write or read when I was younger, Um, but when I was getting my undergraduate degree, I um, got ambushed by story ideas and I would scribble them down and set them aside and think, you know, when I'm old and retired, I'll get published. But um, about 18 years ago, I met a gentleman here in the Salt Lake area who offered to publish one of my manuscripts. And um, yeah, um, it was it was a bumpy ride, but it was been, it's been a learning experience. It's funny that you mention um, 
you know, not liking to read when you're younger, because so many people that I've talked to that are authors have the same story. I myself hated to read when I was a kid and uh, I'm a librarian now. So it's, I think it's pretty more common than people think. Yeah. So how long have um, you been writing? Oh, so my undergraduate degree was in journalism. Never really intended to be a reporter, but I wanted the writing chops. Um, wanted to be able to communicate effectively. And uh, so, gosh, 30 years. Wow, that's quite a bunk. That's a, that's a lot of writing. Yeah. Can you tell us about your background? Sure. I grew up in San Jose, California. Um, nice. Loved, loved that area. Um, ideal climate of all the places I've been on the planet. Going home, I, I discover, oh, I grew up in the best climate there is. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm the youngest of four. I live in Salt Lake now. And um, yeah, I just had my 25th book come out in June. Wow. And I'm trying to get three more out, hopefully by the end of the year. So how did you begin your writing career? And you, I, I see that you're primarily focused on children's stories. Um, how did that come about? Those are the stories that just like I say, ambushed me, jumped me, and wouldn't leave me be until I scribbled them down. Um, but I have written a novel, and I'm working on a self-help book. Um, so yeah, I'm expanding. And some of my kids' books are even biographies, um, true stories of kids that immigrated to the U.S. Uh, as children. Yeah, you, you seem to have a lot of really, um, really neat, neat multicultural stories. Um, they're, there's, they're very a diverse amount of stuff. You don't seem to be somebody who gets stuck on one kind of idea. You have a real, it's almost like different authors. Well, thank you. That's nice to hear. Yeah, in fact, when you first um, introduced me to them, I thought you were, you were showing me like a, a lot of different authors stuff. And then when I always found out it was yours, I'm like, wow, that's impressive. Cause not everybody's like that. Most people kind of stay within one niche or something, but you're all over the place. Yeah, and even with the diversity, um, I try to include, you know, a representation of characters true to life you know what you see in the real world but i don't have any books that are about diversity they just happen to have characters of color now you're you've been all over the place and you've even lived in chile like was that from some of your travels so i was a an lds missionary in chile for two years and then i visited gosh four continents and 12 countries now wow it's been fun to travel What's the first thing that you'd recommend that a writer with an idea for a children's story should do besides write? Oh, that is the first thing I recommend. <laughs> um, because I think a lot of people have great ideas in their heads, but they don't write it down. And I think it's a matter of scheduling. So for me, um, research and writing is among the first things I do in the morning. I set, a, I set a time. So if you were to schedule it, that way you'll get something down every day, even if it's just a little bit. I feel like Stephen King said that in his book on writing, he said he keeps office hours. And I think Bradbury did that too. You basically go in, you write all day and you're done at a certain time. You know, and a lot of us don't have time to write all day. I spend most of my time marketing, but even if it's, you know, 10 minutes that you squeeze into the writing, that's, if that's your priority, getting the story down, then schedule that. So I'm going to ask you the question that you probably get the most, where do you get your ideas and where can others find inspiration? Oh, um, you know, I've never had writer's block. And so I can't empathize with people who say, I want to write a book, but I don't know what about. Because <laughs> it's like, well, I've got folders full of ideas that have 
jumped me and still trying to get them out. Um, yeah, a lot of them are drawn on what I experience in life, um, what I see, what I observe. Um, yeah, I, I question, this may be terribly rude, but I do question in my mind when someone says they want to be a writer, but they don't have a story idea. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't think that's rude at all, actually. It's like, well, you might want to wait till you have an idea. Yeah. Um, so one thing I get a lot as a librarian, as a reference librarian, is that people always ask me, once you've written a book, where do you find a publisher? I just yesterday had somebody approach me with the same question. Um, what do you have? So I'm putting it to you as a writer. Once you have a book written, how do you find a publisher? So I had, I worked with two publishers and the first publisher was just local, you know, had done a series of books and um, he actually died the day we went to print. And so I got a crash course after that to figure out what to do from there to promote my book, which was really good for me. And then I worked with one other publisher and learned that publishers control content, they control the marketing or the lack thereof, and they control the money. Right. And after that, I said, I'm just going to do it myself from now on. I mean, yeah, I think I've known some people that have been published by publishers, and I think they all said they felt like they were doing it themselves. So yeah, <laughs> might as well. How is the process different from with books for children and families compared to books for adults? Oh, you know, as far as the target audience, um, it's really the same because the adults are the one who buy the books. So I, I don't know if you've read books to children before, but I've read books that are pretty boring. Yeah. And that's torturous. Yeah, I've so, read lots of books to children, even professionally in libraries and bookstores. And when it's boring, it's hard to do because they don't want to listen to it. Yeah. So one of my priorities has always been to make sure that it's entertaining to the reader, even, you know, even if the reader is 45, <laughs> I want it to entertain them too. Do you um, prefer having your books published by a publishing house or do you prefer self-publishing? What, what's your preference and what are the pros and cons of each? Oh, by far self-publishing, because as I mentioned, um, doing it myself, I control the content, I control the marketing, I control the money. Yeah. And um, there's just no question for me. I mean, you, publishers used to have exclusive access to distributors, but they don't anymore. I, even when I only had like four books out, I had access to um, some of the major distributors out there. So the game seems to have changed a lot. When I worked in uh, bookstores, the distributors were more numerous and they were, uh, there were more of them. And I think they, they got stuff directly out. And now I don't know how it works really as far as that goes. But I, I remember I, I had a um, friend who had published a book that was on the bestseller list and she, I don't think she saw a profit for like almost two years. And I was really appalled because you don't really think in that terms. You're like, bestseller should probably be getting checks rolling in, but that wasn't the case. And I don't, I think in some cases I've heard of a lot of authors that said you wouldn't know they were successful based on how much they got. Yeah. I mean, some authors never make money. Yeah. So also for me, it took a few years to get a profit. So once you get a book published, how do you go about marketing it? And does it make a difference whether or not it's self-published for marketing? Marketing is the perpetual challenge. Um, you know, I do everything I can think of, press releases and social media and, and appearances at events. Um, 
email mailing. Um, and there's always um, new things to try and, and fail at. <laughs> last yeah. year, last year I tried um, Amazon ads and lost money, but you know, oh, I, really? I've, I've stuck, stuck with it and turned things around, but it was very painful. Yeah. <clears throat> so um, what are the biggest challenges in the publishing process? Or did you just mention that in there? Well, um, yeah, getting your book in front of the reader, um, having them be aware of your offerings. That's the biggest challenge always. Now, everybody, I've noticed people are using things like Goodreads and uh, library thing a lot. Mm -hmm. And I, I find that's like really seems to be a good way because I, I, I feel like everybody I know is on Goodreads and library thing. Does that really work well for you as a marketing tool? I honestly don't know. I'm on both of those sites and I use BookBub also. Um, BookBub, BookBub has brought me far more readers than, than the other two. Um, but it's perhaps my genre, you know, being mostly juvenile that um, library thing and Goodreads hasn't, haven't been as, I haven't noticed as much uh, following because of those. Your work is racially diverse with many of the characters being of color and are bilingual. Mm -hmm. um, so is you, are you like, you're not looking for a certain audience, you're trying to like basically get the work out there so all kinds of people can see it? Yeah, it's kind of like, um, it goes back to entertaining the reader. I, even when I was young, I liked finding out new things when I read, but I hated the idea of learning. Textbooks were what turned me off to reading. And so I try to teach, but not overtly. <clears throat> Excuse me. I always try to have information, new information um, for the reader and in an entertaining way. Um, you know, whether it's language or science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, I have a gardening book, you know, astronomy book. But um, hopefully the story is what grabs them and, and holds their attention. Now, you said how long you've been writing. How many books have you written? I've written about 30 and I, 25 have been published. Wow, that's impressive. Um, can you tell us about the novel you mentioned earlier? It's called To Swallow the Earth and it won a 2016 International Book Award and was a Laramie finalist. Nice. It's a Western. Oh, um, and it was actually a collaboration with my grandfather who um, passed away long before we published. Well, that's <laughs> pretty cool. Was, um, my mother, after her father died, gave me the manuscript and I read the first page or two and it looked very cliche. So I set it aside and didn't finish. But after a couple of years, I picked it up and read the whole thing. It was actually quite good. I just needed more character development and needed some holes in the plot filled and so you know i added some chap chapters and a lot of character development and um yeah we did pretty well it's even an audiobook very nice um so can you tell us some of the plot okay so it's about a um a half mexican guy who's already persecuted um who has been away traveling comes home um in the carson city nevada area during the silver rush and finds um someone living in his home and trying to kill him and his family's missing. Wow, that sounds pretty exciting. Have any thoughts about maybe optioning it for a film, like uh, putting it out to the, the big uh, Hollywood uh, studios? 
Well, I um, I have written one screenplay, but I haven't adapted this one. Uh, gosh, I think it's I think my my list of pending publications has kept me so busy that I haven't considered you know movie rights. So I like to ask this of a lot of authors. So I want to ask it of you. What what at what point have you kind of said that felt like you've made it as an author? I think um, when School Library Journal highlighted one of my books, um, they said that um, it was one of the best books they'd seen. Museum quality artwork raises the bar for other um, children's literature. And then I think Forward Reviews um, put it in their top 10 books for the year. The one that, one was, that one was called She Doesn't Want the Worms. It's bilingual with a pronunciation guide. So I want to ask you, um, one of the most, one of the first things I noticed about your books is the excellent illustration. Um, all your books are very lavishly illustrated and beautiful. Um, Thank you. How can a writer find works of the illustrators or should they really consider that when they're looking to get published? Is that something that they should be worried about or should they consider it? Yeah, if you're going with a big publishing house, you don't have to find an illustrator. However, um, again, they control content and I had, a bad experience. I had a wonderful illustrator through the my second publisher, but we weren't. Um, they told us not to communicate with each other, which I thought was ridiculous. Oh no, that's so, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's the standard practice: is authors and illustrators don't communicate. But when the art came out and it was lovely, but the story was about a poor family and they were portrayed as very posh and wealthy. Oh no, <laughs> not congruent with the whole idea of, this, of the story. Yeah, that's kind of confusing. Um, now, you, you yourself illustrated a few of your books, am I correct? Yeah. yeah, about five or six of them. I studied art for a long time. It's just that the professionals are faster and and easier, you know, than having me do it. Yeah, I worked in, a, um, I worked in illustration, as not, not as an illustrator, but as an admin, and I, I was always surprised at how fast the artist turns stuff around. I couldn't do that myself. And I found artists um, via referrals from people. And then also um, university illustration departments have job boards often. <clears throat> and you can just look at the artwork and see what might match the uh, tone and feel of your story. Now, I want to ask you about uh, Premio Publishing. When you set it up, um, what kind of challenges did you experience kind of starting your own publishing house? Uh, I experienced great liberation. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> Challenges, yeah, taxes and accounting and things like that. But for me, it was like a step up because all the money was coming to me. Um, I was in charge of the marketing and apparently I'm much better at it than some publishers. And then, yeah, being able to have the final say on what was in the books. So it was it was a nice change for me. So I want to ask you, uh, what is one thing that no one would normally know about you? Oh, wow. No. Hmm. I am, uh, well, they, on, on the surface, they would see that I'm sometimes cocky, but I struggle with feeling adequate. How's that? <laughs> no, I, I think I'm the same way. I, I think I kind of recognize that in myself too. So I think that's pretty common. 
What did, what did the best review you've ever had say about your work? Oh, that would go back to forward reviews in School Library Journal, where they called it museum quality artwork and raises the bar for children's literature. Yeah, I've seen it. I would agree with them. It is museum quality. Oh, thanks. Now, what has been some of the best experience you've ever had in your life? Oh, living abroad by far. You know, it's funny. Um, you see missionaries walking around all over the world. And when I was 19, I thought I was going down to teach, but I really was learning. I mean, the people of Chile are amazing. And that was the best education I ever had. You know, counting my bachelor's and master's degrees, if I had to choose, I would pick those two years in Chile. Yeah, I've, I've um, read a lot about Chile. I've always wanted to go there. It sounds like a fascinating place to visit. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's California, same climate, but just reversed. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. now, what is the sec um, strangest thing you've ever had to do to promote your book? Um, make a smoothie on TV, because I have one <laughs> book, book. Oh, wow. So that, that you did that on a, like a news show or something? Yeah, a local TV um, entertainment show. That's kind of fun, though. Yeah. Now, what are the experience? <laughs> I always like to ask this to people because because I'm always very curious about this myself. What are some of the books that you have on your nightstand or some, what, what are some of your favorite authors? My favorite nonfiction author is David McCullough. My favorite book is um, John Adams that, that he wrote. And oh, nice. Yeah, just it's so funny because he was apparently an annoying character, but um, his life is so interesting. And then fiction, um, gosh, I love, um, Tolkien really got me into reading, you know, Lord of the Rings. Oh, me too. I was younger. Um, for kids books, I love Shel Silverstein. Um, I love, uh, I don't read enough fiction anymore, um, but I love uh, reading nonfiction whenever I can squeeze it, squeeze it in. I love both, but what I squeeze in is nonfiction. Yeah, I'm like that too. I kind of, I kind of vacillate between both of them. Who are your early writing influences and uh, who has inspired you as far as your career goes? Um, when I read To Kill a Mockingbird, Harper Lee seemed like the perfect author. Just, I mean, I loved every word of that book. Um, gosh, uh, when I was in third grade, I got the measles and my grandmother bought me a, a mystery for kids called Bicycles North, A Mystery on Wheels. Oh, neat. By Rita Ritchie. And I haven't read it since, so it, it could be a terrible book. But at the time, <laughs> I learned that books could transport you to other places and adventures. Do you have a favorite genre to write in? I think the biographies. I've done four now on, on my ancestors, who, who as I say, uh, immigrated as children. And, um, you know, it's funny, my mom was a genealogist, and I thought it was so boring, the dates and the places. But as I started reading the stories, that just hooked me. Now, it's, genealogy is so popular now. Everybody I know is studying their genealogy, it seems. My wife has gotten very into hers, and mm -hmm. my family did theirs. It's very fascinating. Yeah, it's fun to, it's kind of like being a sleuth, because um, I've written for my family, I've written seven generations of biographies of all our ancestors for seven generations, and not all of them had journals. And so I would grab letters and journals of their parents or their brother 
and piece together a biography for each one of them. And it's, it's kind of fun. Oh my God. What a great perspective of history. I mean, you could almost use that to teach a class in history, I would think. Yeah, perhaps. Can small publishers make a mark on literature in the book market? Absolutely. Um, a lot of the bestsellers were, were done independently. <clears throat> so for sure they can change the market and, and they're gaining share. I think the big publishing houses are losing share every year. Now I want to ask this for my own personal just interest because this is a complex question. So if, if it's not a good one to answer, we can skip it. But how do you work with um, libraries? Um, do you work with libraries at all? I do. Um, and the, what I'm about to say applies to bookstores too. I used to spend time tracking down buyers for libraries and bookstores. A lot of legwork, pounding the pavement. Yeah, it's not easy. And um, since I've signed agreements with, you know, like Baker and Taylor and Brodart and Ingram, I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> they do it for me. That's, I mean, that's, it's hard because I think one of the hardest thing for writers is finding um, the people that do the buying for the major chains because it's not the, the communication network is not always good. And that's the same thing for libraries too. Finding out who the buyers are is like finding a needle in the haystack, I think. So I think you got, do do best to go with a distributor. Um, so I wanted to ask you about your cookbooks for children. Do you have, um, you have cookbooks, right? I have one cookbook, but, um, I'm sorry, I've misunderstood that. But someone pointed out to me a few years ago that most of my stories involve food. <laughs> I think <laughs> some of the best stories do. <laughs> yeah, I'm a foodie. Um, so yeah, uh, and even the Bad Bananas cookbook, uh, it's called Bad Bananas, a story cookbook for kids. And it's the subtitle, the idea came from my editor who said, if you're gonna write about these bananas, put some recipes in. So that's what we did. That's really cool. What kind of recipes do you have? So they're, uh, let's see, for banana smoothies, pancakes, muffins, um, cookies. There's like seven recipes and then there's more on my website. I noticed you have a title, The Dancing Flamingos of Lake Chimichanga, that uh, is another food reference as well. Yes, <laughs> that's probably my goofiest book. Just crazy, silly flamingos doing goofy stuff, dancing, and, and there's a lot of food in the book too. That's a great title. I think the children's author, Daniel Pinkwater, would probably be envious of that one. <laughs> now, where can people find your work? So there... Um, of course, on Amazon, Target's website, Walmart's website, um, ask your librarian. Um, my website is premiobooks.com, P-R-E-M-I-O books.com. And do you have any projects that you're working on now or that are working on in the, for the future that you want to mention? Sure. I'm working on a self-help book called More Than Two Choices, kind of to expand people's minds that they that their choices are usually not binary. <laughs> and um, also um, a sports book for kids and a book of short stories. Very nice. I like all this. This is great. Now, um, I wanted to ask you one last question. What do you do when you're not writing? What do you do in your spare time? Market. <laughs> that's my life. That's my, that's the, those are the chains I wear. I do. 
I like to um, make music. So I used to sing in a band. I used to uh, play volleyball a lot. Um, I still do a lot of socializing to get oh, away from the marketing. But yeah, much of my day is marketing. What did you play in the band? I was the lead singer. Oh, nice. That's good. What, what kind of music was it? Uh, mostly classic rock. We wrote some of our own stuff, but mostly classic covers. That's really fun. I like that. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you for being on the show. Thank you for talking with us today. Sure. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I want to thank you for being here with me today to talk to Carl Beckstrand. And if you really have a chance, uh, check out Bad Bananas, a story cookbook for kids. Um, it's a wonderful little book, and it has uh, recipes on every page with little stories for kids. And he is the author, as we've said, of many other children's books, and he's worth checking out. Uh, if you have a local library nearby um, or a, books, a good quality bookstore with a good children's selection, you may want to look for his books there or purchase them on Amazon.com where they're in plenty. Um, next week, we're going to be back with um, two authors I'm very excited about. Um, one is Nick Malgieri. Um, you've seen his cookbooks, and if you have them, you're very smart because his uh, work is wonderful. I have his cookbooks in the kitchen, and I use them quite often, you know, on a weekly basis. So I do recommend them wholeheartedly. I had a wonderful conversation with him, and I also got a chance to speak to Dory Greenspan, who has a new cookbook coming out, Baking with Dory, and um, it's wonderful. And uh, I had a great time talking to her, um, I have to say. Um, she was somebody who I've always wanted to talk to and who I've always idolized. And getting a chance to talk to somebody who's your idol and who was so nice and completely pleasant to talk to was just a treat. So um, please turn in next week for that as well. So I'll see you next week. And until then, happy cooking.